us. I'm going to ask our special music folks to come at this time. Your Bible's open to Matthew 20. You folks come, if you would please. Is the face that I see in the mirror the one I want others to see? Do I show in the way that I walk in my life the love that you've given to me? My heart's desires to be like you in all that I do, all I am. Do they see Jesus in me?
Take your Bible back. I'll do my best to end just about five minutes after 12. I want to talk to you. I want to thank you, and I pray that whatever your position is in serving our community, you feel honored and appreciated this morning. We seek to honor those in our community that use their lives to serve others, whether they're policemen and women and firemen and paramedics, politicians and doctors and nurses and teachers. We have set aside a Sunday in our calendar called Public Service Sunday when we just make this about you. You serve in an unselfish manner and oftentimes are underpaid and underappreciated. I think about what some of you who put your life on the line or you go into a classroom uh, and drastically underpaid and... uh, but we honor you this morning. But today, as our church family, we want to say thank you for your service. But for the next few moments, I want to point all of our attention to the greatest servant who ever walked the face of the earth. And that servant was none other than the Lord Jesus Christ. In Matthew chapter number 20, you think about sometimes being God as he came, we call this the incarnation. When God became man, this is the Christmas story. When God became man... You would think he'd come to sit in a palace on a throne, wouldn't you? You would think that he would expect the upper seats of, of academe or he would want it to be noted and, and that type of thing. But he didn't come in that manner at all. The Bible says in Matthew 20, verse 25, But Jesus called unto them, speaking of his disciples, and he said, You know that the princes of the Gentiles exercise dominion over them, and that they are great exercise authority upon them. But watch what Jesus said to them and says to us today. But it shall not be so among you, but whosoever will be great among you, let him be your minister, that means service. As the fire, uh, those of you that are served today, you serve us, police and teachers and educators and, and doctors and nurses and politicians and You serve us. You are a servant in this community. But Jesus told all of us, no matter what your capacity, that we should make ourselves servant one of another. And he goes on, it says, And whosoever will be chief among you, let him be your servant. Webster says, A servant is a male or female who attends to the needs of others by performing menial tasks for him or her. Someone who is employed by another and is subject to their command. Can I say this to you? Jesus came to this earth to serve you and to serve me. We look at the characteristics of a servant. We don't have time to do this because of the time or putting the Bible verses. If you want to turn to Philippians 2, you may do so. What are the characteristics of a servant? What does a servant do? A servant oftentimes lays aside their own self-interest for the needs of others. He left the splendors of heaven, to come to a manger in Bethlehem. He left his father to come to earth where we spat upon him. We plucked his beard. We placed a spear in his side. He knew that before he ever stepped out of eternity and came some 2,000 years ago. He knew that, and he came anyway. In Philippians chapter 2, it talks to us about 
the mindset of the Lord Jesus Christ as He came. In Philippians chapter 2 and verse number 3 through 5, it says this, Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. And who did this? It says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in the fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. I say this to you this morning. Why did Jesus come? He met your greatest need. And your greatest need is not another $1,000 in the bank. Your greatest need in mine is not another friend or a better mate in life or health. And we're so delighted to see uh, Michelle and Mike here and Brother Wally. We're praying for you and many others in our church, Phil and Mary Wolford and others who are battling a terminal illness. But our greatest need, and God bless you doctors and nurses who at one time used your hands and God brought healing through the medicine and the care that you gave. But the truth of the matter is, one day we're going to be healed and another day or a year beyond that, a disease is going to take us home. So your greatest need in mine is this, a forgive for forgiveness of sin and a home in heaven. You see, we're all sinners. The Bible says, for there's none righteous, no, not one, for all have sinned. You say, but preacher, I'm not as bad as, and that may be true, but the truth of the matter is we're all sinners. And that sin carries with it a, a, a price tag that you don't want to pay and I don't want to pay. So God the Father sent His only Son to earth to become a servant for you and I. And He served us and He lived a sinless life and He died on Calvary's cross to take away your sin and my sin. He came to serve us. And what an offering He did. Number two, we look at this. Servants give their lives in service to others. They do that. Jesus felt at home with the unloved and the unwanted in society. In Luke chapter number 14, these verses up here, and you think about that. If you were Jesus, if you were God, and Jesus is God and was God, wouldn't you, who would you want to be around? He felt comfortable with the common man. He felt comfortable with uh, the outcast of society. In Luke's gospel, chapter number 14, the Bible talks about this and, and uh, Jesus when he came and why he came and to whom he came. In Luke chapter number 14 and verse number 6, the Bible says, And they could not answer him to these things. And he put forth a parable to them who were bidden, which were marked, how they chose out the chief rooms, saying unto them, When thou art bidden of any man to a wedding, sit not thou down in the highest room, let a man more honorable uh, than thee be bidden of him. And he then bade thee, and, they, and he come and say to thee, Give this man place, and thou uh, being with shame to take the lowest room. Jesus likening to a wedding feast, and only those in Jesus' time that would come to a wedding were the invited. And he said, If you're invited to a wedding, don't look for the highest, most noble room. He said, You sit in the back and let somebody invite you up. He goes on in Luke chapter number 14 to talk about that this offer of salvation and forgiveness of sin is an offer he makes to us all. 
We call it one day the wedding, uh, the, the, uh, the one day when the bride of Christ will come before that wedding feast, and you are invited. You have a heavenly invitation. The Bible says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Unbelievable. But the God of the universe put out an invitation for people to be saved, and people didn't come. I hope that if you're here in the room this morning, no matter why you came to services today, that same offer extends to you. He desires to save you and to forgive your sin and to take you one day to a home in heaven for eternity to be with Him. But Jesus felt He gave His life and service. He came to a woman in John 4 at Sychar's well. She was a fallen woman. She had five men in her lives, and none of them were her husband. The one she's living with wasn't her husband. The Bible says this, and Jesus loved her. Amen. Aren't you glad that Jesus loved us and we all have our issues? We all have our problems, and He loved us because that's who He came to love. He didn't come. And can I say this to you? It was organized religion that nailed Jesus to the cross. It wasn't the sinner's. It wasn't uh, those who needed him most. He came to a woman at Sarkar's well. Those of you who are involved with the medical profession, he came to blind Bartimaeus and he opened blinded eyes. The, all of the congregation and all of, the, uh, all of those in Judea at that time, they knew who Bartimaeus was. They paid him no mind or attention. And he found his way. He heard that Jesus was coming and he found his way to that throng. And the Bible says, and Jesus stood still. The God who spoke the universes into existence stood still for a blind man. Because he loved him. Because he came to serve him. And he opened blinded eyes, a fallen woman at Sychar's well, a blinded man named Bartimaeus, a rich young ruler. In John chapter number 3, the Bible says Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews, politicians, government officials, came to Jesus by night and said, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God. No man can do these miracles except God be with him. And Jesus told a good religious man, marvel not that I say unto you, you must be born again. I know that's not a welcome thought in the state house, in the courthouses in America today. We don't want our president and vice president and, and house and senate and those who sit on a, a court, whether it's a federal a court or a civil court or U.S. Supreme Court, we don't want to hear that we need to be saved. But Jesus was honest to a ruler and said, you must be born again. How can a man be old when can a man can be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Nicodemus responds, No, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. That's why there's nothing we can do to get to heaven other than to turn to Jesus. And that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Nicodemus one day will be in heaven. Because there at that time, he, he got an offer from that great servant, Jesus Christ. He got an offer. Will you let me save you? You're a good ruler. You're a good man. You would want to live around Nicodemus. But Nicodemus wasn't ready for eternity. I say this lastly. A servant is willing to pay the cost to impact the lives of others. I don't like to read these kind of statistics. These are 2,000 
beginning of 2018. I, I imagine they've changed since then. There are almost one million sworn law enforcement officers now serving in the United States. 12% of those are female. Crime fighting has taken its toll, has it not? I don't know what it does to you. When I see our policemen, I've never been to New York City and never desire to go. When I see the governor and mayor of New York City okay with water and milk and things being splashed on our policemen, I don't know what that does to you. That bothers me. Listen to these statistics. Crime fighting taking its toll. Over 21,000 law enforcement officers have been killed in the line of duty since records started to be taken. Currently, there's 21,900 names engraved on the walls of the National Law Enforcement Memorial. 1,582 law enforcement officers died in the line of duty during the past 10 years. On average, one death every 55 hours, 150 Eight per year, there were 158 law enforcement officers killed in the line of duty in 2018. Brother Rogers put these up there. These are things that are branded in my mind. I'll never forget them. Can you imagine that in both World Trade Center towers on 9-11 when we knew planes had, had struck those towers and it was an inferno going in those buildings. When men and women were jumping out of windows and falling to their death or coming out, the brave and noble firemen were going into those buildings. You look at some of these, Brother Rogers, I don't know if we have other. This is the aftermath of 9-11. I did some study, and I believe these numbers are even higher than that, that we lost in that day in 9-11. Uh, we lost 71 firemen uh, in, I, I'm sorry, no, we didn't. We lost 300 some of you men probably can give this. We, uh, we lost 300 and some firemen on 9-11. We lost 72 police officers on that day. They tell us this. It's somewhere the low is 1,200, and we believe the high may be 5,000 or thereabouts. But these firemen and these first responders and, and others that went to the site after those buildings came down, uh, some of them, they, they got illnesses and cancers and different types of uh, uh, physical problems, and they died over 1,200 of them in 2000, as of 2018. There's a cost associated with service. And what cost Jesus paid? He went to Calvary's cross. He didn't die it for his own sins. He died for yours and mine. He hung on the cross, and we said it is finished. What was he saying? Yes, his life, his earthly life, in just a moment, he'd breathe his last breath. But what he is saying is this, it's finished, your sins are paid for, and my sins are paid for. We don't have to come through the waters of baptism. We don't have to put our name on a church roll. We don't have to be good and do good because none of that will take away man's sins. He paid the price. So here's the conclusion today. Today we do honor each and every one of you here for public first service. We thank you for coming, how you've honored us this morning. But for one and all, we would take our minds and our hearts and we would go back some 2,000 years ago. We would look to an old rugged cross where the greatest servant who ever walked the face of the earth died for you and died for me. I want you to look at one last verse. Brother Rogers, if you have this, put it up here. 
Jesus is the only man that's ever lived that you have to come to a decision about him. You say, preacher, I really don't want to. Oh, you have to. We either crown him or crucify him. We can't do both. And our eternity is based on how we respond to who Jesus is. John 1, listen to what it says. He came into his own. This is the Jewish people. He came into his own and his own did what? It was the Jewish nation that crucified him and hung him on a cross. They received him not. You are not our Messiah. Even the Jews today do not recognize Jesus Christ as their Messiah. I ask you this this morning. You may or may not be Jewish. When you think of the man named Jesus, what is your response? The next verse says this. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. How do I receive him? Even to them, would you read it with me? That what? Believe on his name. That word believe is to put full faith and trust in. Every one of us here this morning, if I ask you, are you going to heaven? You would say yes or no. If you say yes, you're counting on something to take you to heaven. The Bible says in Acts chapter number 4, there's none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Jesus alone. Don't trust in a pastor. We have feet of clay. We'll let you down. I sin. I falter. I fail. Don't trust in a rabbi. Don't trust in a religious leader. Don't trust in, listen to this, but you can look at that man who died on Calvary's cross, the greatest servant that ever walked the face of the earth, and today in simple faith, if you just believe on him and you'll trust him, he'll save you for all of eternity. And one day, when you and I draw our last breath, we will know where we're going to go. Would you stand, please? Father, help us this morning. I thank you this morning for these that have given us some time in their busy, busy week. Policemen, firemen, EMTs, nurses, teachers, administrators, doctors. We thank you for their service to this community. Pueblo is a better city because they lead. And Father, some simple plaques or gift cards that are given out are really meaningless. And hopefully it's something to let them know that there's a group of people that appreciate their work. And Father, I pray for each and every one of us that's here this morning that may not know Christ the Savior. Would you help us to understand that you want a response? You've sent out an invitation and you want us to respond. And I pray you'd help us to understand that Jesus loves us, that he died on a cross to save us, and that we'll, if we'll by faith just trust him, he'll save us for all of eternity. Speak to our heart at this time of invitation in Jesus' name. Amen.